I said first service, and I mean it. We, back in Detroit, back in Michigan, love Dave and Susie. We have a huge void back at our church, even 13 years later when he came out here. So your gain is our loss. I mean, we lost one of our greatest couples. I mean, it's unbelievable. But he's doing exactly what God called him to do. I'm glad that you guys are out here. This is my first time in your new building, which is unbelievable. It's, it's great. But I do have a little problem with Luther Ellis. I just got to say, you know, most of you know that Luther became the Denver Broncos chaplain like seven months ago. So think about this. My buddy Luther gets a Super Bowl ring in his first year as the chaplain of an NFL team. 31 years with the Lions, one playoff win. 31 years. I'm a little upset with God. Anybody with me? Any, any Lions fans? No Lions fans. None. Just like, just like Detroit. There's no Lions fans in Detroit either. We might have more here. So I, I really am so excited to be here. Ann and I. Ann, you want to stand up, Ann? There, there's my wife, Ann. No, she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to. There she is. You, if you're at the marriage retreat, you saw her. And it's so funny. I went out to the table, and they said, we sold all your vertical marriage DVDs. So I don't have any. All we have is your sex DVD, because we did a thing. So I said, here's what you can get today if you want. Is there sex in heaven? Go pick it up. You'll find out. Um, the answer is yes. All right. OK, here we go. I don't know where that came from, Dave. Sorry. He's like, what are you doing right now? Um, as Dave said, I'm so excited because uh, we are doing a series on heaven back at my church in, in Michigan. And today's we're ending it. And I know you guys are in the middle. So when Dave asked me to speak on heaven, I'm like, yeah, we're reading the same book you're reading, Imagine Heaven. Um, and it's been uh, a powerful read for me. It, it, it's one of the most inspiring books I've read in 10 years. So I don't know if you've gotten it yet. Read it. It's, it's really powerful. Um, and I, and I got to tell you a story. There's a couple back in Michigan that was celebrating their 30th wedding anniversary. They wanted to go back to the hotel where they had their honeymoon in Florida. So they booked this deal, but they, their, their schedules didn't work. So the husband had to go down on Thursday. Wife's going to join him on Friday. He gets there Thursday night, checks into his hotel room. There's a computer there. It's years ago. He decides to send his wife an email. He types her email address wrong, didn't know this, sent it. It goes to a woman in Houston who literally is coming home from her husband's funeral, just died, pastor who had a heart attack, comes home, opens up her email just to see if there's condolences, and her son was in the house with her, and hears his mom scream, runs in there, she's passed out on the floor. And he's like, what just happened? So he looks at her email, here's the email she had just read uh, that, that, that came to her. It says, subject, to my loving wife's subject, I've arrived. <laughs> Date, March 21st, says, I know you're surprised to hear from me. They have computers here now. And you're allowed to send emails to your loved ones. <laughs> I just arrived and have been checked in. I've seen that everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing you then. Hope your journey is as uneventful as mine was. And it says, P.S., sure is hot down here. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke. I got that off the internet. But anyway, that's funny stuff, right? And by the way, I know next week Dave's talking about hell. Sure is hot down here. Don't miss next week. Trust me. Don't miss next week. But, you know, as you think about this, I, I, I didn't share this last service, but there was a survey done of Americans um, years ago about their belief about the afterlife. And it's amazing. This is just Americans. I don't know about other people anywhere else. But it said 97% of Americans say they believe there's a heaven. 68% said they believe there's a hell, which we'll talk about next week. 2% said they believe they are going to hell. 
But listen to this. This is true from the survey. 98% of them said they know someone who's going to hell. So <laughs> anyway, I'm going to jump right in because I've watched uh, week two and three. This is week four of this series here. I watched Dave two weeks ago on, on, on your video and Mike Rutledge. They just killed it. You guys have the greatest teachers and they killed it. And so I don't want to say the same things they have already said about it. But one of the things I've really found... Um, Fascinating to me, especially in this Imagine Heaven book from John Burke. John Burke's a pastor down at Gateway Church in, in Austin, Texas, and he, he wrote this book after a thousand interviews with near-death experience people, people that have had near-death experiences and come back to life and tell you about it. And I'm sort of wired like a skeptic. I'm a guy that needs evidence always. To come to Christ, I needed evidence. I didn't believe even the resurrection was true until I researched it and did my homework. If you don't believe it's true, I challenge you, do your homework. I looked at the seven other theories of what happened besides he rose from the dead. None of them hold water. He rose from the dead. So I became a follower of Christ a junior in college, but I'm still wired that way. I just want evidence. So when I started reading Imagine Heaven, my first thought was, yeah, right, near-death experiences. What's that? And then I started reading it, and I was overwhelmed by the evidence again, not by Christians or people that are religious that want a heaven. We all want one, by the way. But by scientists and doctors who say, you want to look into this near-death stuff because something's happened here that's unexplainable. Dr. Jeffrey Long is an oncologist for 40 years. He's wired like me, a skeptic. He heard all these patients starting to tell him these near-death things. And he's like, what's going on? And I, and I won't quote him, but in the book he says, let me tell you something. When your EEG goes flatline, the brain is dead. There is no chance that these are dreams or hallucinations. They have no brain activity. The things these people are describing, and as you've looked in the last two weeks, they all describe about 12 or 13 core elements that happen with almost all of them. And he goes, they come back and they start talking about this. He goes, this is real. There's another realm that exists that people go to that's real. This is a skeptic like me, and that made me start, wow, what in the world is he talking about? That these people leave their body and they can see people, the doctor's trying to bring them back to life and they can describe what they watched. You know, there's just one story in there about a guy who, who died and they're trying to uh, bring his body back to life and he had dentures, they had to remove his dentures to put the trach down in there and they're doing CPR, he made it back. And he talks about this near-death experience of watching the doctors work on his body. And like two days later, they still could not find his dentures. They didn't know where they went. And so they told him, we don't know where they are. And he goes, oh, I'll tell you where they are. Nurse so-and-so put them in the crash uh, dummy or crash cart in the bottom right drawer. You find that crash cart, they're in the bottom drawer. And they're like, what? I watched you bring me back to life. That's where they are. Okay. They went and found that. Open the drawer. There they are. Here you go. Okay, is this made up? Some still think it is. I tell you, you read this book, you're going to go, oh my gosh. So here's what John does. He goes, here's what the near-death people say, thousands of them, and here's what the Word of God says. You won't believe that it's the same thing. People that don't even believe in God or have never been to church or have never read the Bible are describing exactly what the Bible says. I'm telling you, it's so inspiring to look at what Scripture says and what people experience. Y you want to die. I told Ann on the flight the other day, I I'm ready to die. I'm not really. I don't mean that. But, I mean, I've never been so excited about heaven. Because here's the thing. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this. 26 years of helping lead Kensington Church back in Michigan, we've never done a series on heaven. Are you kidding me? 
right? We're gonna spend billions and billions of eternity there and we don't even, you, you ask the average churchgoer, you know, what's retirement gonna be like? Oh man, I'm gonna get a condo here and I'm gonna drive this and I'm gonna have this much money saved. They have the whole thing laid out. Okay, what's heaven like? Oh, what are you gonna do in heaven? I don't know, float around in clouds, play little harps, you know, I don't know. That's what we're gonna do. Forever? Yeah, that's what we're gonna do. Isn't that sad that we don't know? And the Bible's full of descriptions about heaven. So we're going to take a look today. I know you already looked a little bit, but it's, it's amazing. One of the things I discovered when I, when I looked at this is there will be uh, animals in heaven. Do you know that? They're going to be there. It's awesome. I didn't know that until I read scripture. Although it's really clear in scripture that dogs will be there, cats won't. So just so you know. <laughs> look at people clapping at this. That's crazy. <laughs> Of all the things to clap about at church, uh, that's it, right? I'm just kidding. I think Kath maybe might be there too. Anyway, so here, here's what I want to say. Here's the truth uh, I'll bring to you. And I, I like to have one solid truth that, that the rest of the message will have a couple subpoints. But the solid truth that I've discovered as I've studied this and looked at heaven is this. I just wrote it down this way. The man who rose from the dead says there's, says there's a lot more ahead. ahead. You know, if, if you go to my church, it, it, it becomes a thing. Oh, Wilson's going to give you one truth and it's going to rhyme. I want you to remember it. I want you to write it down. I want you to take a picture of that screen or, or take notes on your phone like I do. There, the man who rose from the dead said there's a lot more ahead. You see how that rhymes? You see that? You catch that? I can rap it if you want. Want me to? Should I do it, Dave? No, Dave heard me try to do it first service. I'm not going to do it. Uh, I'm too old and I'm white. So anyway, um, but that's what it is. And here's what I mean by this. When somebody raises from the dead, especially somebody that predicted they would do this, you tend to listen to people that raise from the dead what they say. Don't you? I mean, anybody can say anything you want, but when somebody predicts, and the Bible predicts for hundreds of years or 300 prophecies, where he'll be born, what he'll do, what miracles he'll be, how he'll die, that'll raise from the dead. And that man says he's the son of God, and he will prove it to you with one acid test. I will raise from the dead. And then he does. You better lean in and go, okay, what did this guy say? Because I would say that guy is the son of God. You can argue against that, but you prove it wrong. And so then you go back and say, okay, what did he say? What did he say about life? What did he say about death? What did he say about heaven? Let me read you one verse, and I bet you know this verse whether you've been in church ever in your life. This is the most famous verse in the entire Bible because in one verse, all the Bible sort of uh, explained. He said, for God so loved the world. You ever heard that one? John three sixteen. what's it say? For God so loved the world that he what? His only son that whoever... Believes in him will have eternal life. Will not perish, but have eternal life. I thought you were just memorizing that. You looked up there and saw it. But, um, but that's what he said. He said, okay, did Jesus talk about eternal life? He sure did. He said right there, everyone lives forever somewhere. That's probably a better theme right there, simpler. Everyone lives forever somewhere. Jesus said, you can have eternal life by believing in me, and you'll never, ever perish. But nobody really dies. We all pass to somewhere. Next week, you're going to learn about the other place. Not very good. <laughs> Seriously, not very good. And when you study that, as Jesus thought about it, you're like, oh my gosh. But here's the amazing thing. Jesus also said eternal life doesn't start when you die. You know when eternal life starts? Anybody know? I'll read it to you. Jesus said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Do you understand what he's saying there? 
He's saying, if you want eternal life, it starts the second you know God, the second you know Jesus. And I don't mean go to church or go to K2. That's all great. I mean, when you surrender your life to say you and you only are the only God of the universe, you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and I surrender my life to you, eternal life starts right then. It extends into heaven later. It starts right then. What's it look like? It's a life that's unlike anything you've ever experienced in your life before. Power of God, peace of God, joy of God fills your life. How? The Holy Spirit of God comes to live in this temple. The Holy Spirit lives in this body. Your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that's when a person surrenders. Eternal life starts right then. You have purpose, you have meaning. You get up in the morning, you know why you're on this planet. That's different than anybody else that doesn't have God. They don't know why they're here. You get eternal life now that extends into heaven. Why? By surrendering, or how? Surrendering to God. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Some of you, today's your day. Happened first service, going to happen again this service. Today's your day to step into eternal life because today you're going to meet the ticket to heaven. That's the name of this service, this, this message. The ticket to heaven? Everybody needs a ticket to get in that gate, baby. You know there's gates in heaven? It's a gated community. Can you believe that? Everybody needs tickets. <laughs> But maybe you heard last week, the gates are swung, swung wide open. There's no closed gates. But to get in, you need a ticket. Guess what the ticket is? One word. There's people who don't know what this word is, but today you're going to know. Jesus, that's it. It's not anything you did. It's not anything I've done. It's not going to church. It's not getting to small groups. not praying. It's not giving money. None of that. It is Jesus Christ. I know Christ. I surrendered my life to Christ on this day. Today, somebody's day. Maybe a bunch of people's day. Today's your day. You're going to get eternal life that then takes you into heaven. And here's the amazing thing. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, but I know last week Mike really got into this. When you get to heaven, I know you've got a lot of descriptions. I don't need to, I don't need to tell you the same thing you've heard the last couple of weeks. But one of the things you find out in heaven, it is the most glorious place you could ever experience. And you get a new body in heaven. Some of you just perked up right there. It's like, I get a new body? You know, six-pack abs? I don't have to do all those sit-ups. I don't have to eat gluten-free my whole life. I get a new body? Yeah, you get a new body. I won't even read the scripture, but go home and read Corinthians. It's uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5. I just don't want to read all that because it, it took a lot of time in first service to read it. But in 2 Corinthians 5, I'll give you an overview. He says you get an upgraded body. We don't float around like spirits. We actually get a body. Mike talked about this last week. And the body is made by God himself. This tent he calls it your earthly tent, gone. We wake up in this earthly tent now and we groan and sigh. Anybody wake up this morning and groan and sigh? Yeah, I mean, it's part of living in a broken world and the body, you know, just breaks down. You young people are thinking, not my body, man. I'm going to have this body forever. Old people, is it going to break down? Yeah, gravity wins. It just wins, you know? And, and it's just like, oh, man, you mean I'm going to get a new body? Yeah. I wrote down in my notes what I've gone through in the last five years with this earthly tent, this body. Back surgery, appendectomy, two torn labrum I need to have fixed in my shoulders. I need a replacement left knee. You can probably tell I can't even bend the thing because of college football. Uh, I need Rogaine. I need Rogaine. I need Rogaine or plants or whatever, right? I mean, it's crazy. And I, I coached high school football back in Michigan, and I was handing a football off to a kid in a, in a drill, and as I turned, his elbow hit my mouth. Two front teeth popped out. Yeah, I, I have, these two are gone. I just got implants. They just came in. How do you like them? Huh? You didn't even know, did you? But I walked around with this gap for three years. I had a little thing in there. But anyway, I mean, I'm thinking, man, I can't wait to get a new body. So here's, here's a couple, just a couple uh, sub 
plots to this main message. And here's the first one. Real heaven equals real transformation. If there's a real heaven and it's real, it equals your body, your spirit, your soul is transformed. I don't mean better, I mean brand new. And by the way, that happens here a little bit, but it's finalized there. Eternal life is a transformation on earth, but nothing compared to what it's gonna be in heaven. Think about that. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not saying you're just rehabilitated, you're redeemed. You're, you're made brand new now in eternal life, and then it extends into heaven. It's really interesting to think, what does God do when he comes in a person's body on planet Earth? And again, somebody, today's your day, and this is what happens. If you don't know Jesus, and I mean, you may go to church, you may know the name, you may have prayed a few prayers, but if you've never surrendered to Christ, you don't really know eternal life. But the second you surrender, had a guy uh, yesterday afternoon, right when we ended the marriage retreat, come up here and gave his life to Christ right here. He was sitting right there in the first service. He is the beginning of eternal life. I had another guy pray with me right over there at the end of the service and gave his life to Christ. And here's what happened. The Holy Spirit of God, God in spirit form now lives where? At that temple, in that body. Now you tell me, if a man or a woman had no God in their life, and now they have God in their life, no God in their body, now God, the power of God's in their body. Can they be the same person? No way. There is absolutely no way that they could go from this to this and be the same person. It's like something happened. It isn't just a little bit. It isn't like a bad person becomes good. It is a dead person in sin becomes alive. You understand that? It's a radical transformation. I used to watch uh, Extreme Home Makeover. You ever watch that back in the day? I don't know, is it still on? I don't think so. It, it, it made maybe a 10 or 12 year run. I watched the very first episode. Some of you weren't even born yet. Years ago, laying on my couch Sunday night, didn't know what it was, I wept. I didn't know I was gonna weep every time I watched that show. But some of you know, in the early days when they took a house and you know, the family needed a new house, they didn't tear the whole thing down. They took it down to what they needed to and then they rebuilt it and it was beautiful, right? Well then, I don't know, year two or three, they just started demolishing the entire thing, even the foundation, and they started over. And it went from that to this you know, glorious religious moment when they say, move the bus, and the bus moves and they see the new building, people fall down and speak in tongues. It's absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> they do, don't they? They're like, it's like, what's going on there? It's a religious experience because they are seeing what it used to be and now they're like, oh, what, are you kidding me? And this isn't just the family, that's everybody, it's me, and I'm like, this is unbelievable, it's awesome. That's what happens when God gets a part, a part of somebody's life. He takes this old life, and people look at you and go, I know you're the same person, and you got the same face, but you are not the same person, what happened to you? Jesus. Jesus, that's what happened to me, I can't explain it. Jesus, I mean, it's like, you got the same address, but it's not the same house. You're in the same body, but you're not the same person. That's a real transformation that is completed, the upgrade is completed in heaven. And one of the things that hit me this morning, I honestly didn't plan to go here till this morning at 4 a.m. God woke me up at 4 a.m. We're staying at this beautiful house that one of your uh, congregants here let us stay in their basement. It's glorious. And I woke up at 4 a.m. and I, I couldn't go back to sleep. And I'm like, okay, God, you want me out of my bed? You want me to get my iPad out? And you want me to add this message? Yep. And you're thinking, wow, this dude woke up at four. It's really 6 a.m. Michigan time, so it's not that impressive. But anyway, <laughs> I couldn't get this off, and God said, you have to talk about identity when you talk about real transformation. So here we go. 
One of the things that's absolutely astounding when you surrender to Christ is he gives you a new identity. You go from sinner to saint. I'm not talking about Catholic saint. The Bible says saint means set apart one. You are no longer able to live the life you used to live. And if you do, you don't understand who you are. And people do because they don't understand our identity. Even with Christ in them, they're like, I'm still this person. No, you are not. Paul said, the old is gone, the new has come. The old man is dead. You are brand new in Christ. That's who you were, but you're not that person anymore. Your identity is totally changed. Let me tell you something. Every single decision we make in life, every single decision, parents, tell your kids this, is all based on identity. If you and I know who we are and whose we are, we live fearless. If we don't really know who we are and that we are God's and whose we are, we live in fear. We're afraid. We live passive. We want to take a step of faith. We want to speak truth. We want to hear truth. We want to live the life we see other people live, but we're too scared to do it. You know why? Because we don't really know who we are. And when a person understands their identity, you can't move them. They don't give in to peer pressure. They don't give in to anything. Why? They don't need anybody's acceptance. They don't need anybody's approval. They've got it from the Father because they understand they're the son of God, the daughter of God, the child of God. And with that security of knowing who they are and whose they are, they live fearless. You might have noticed my armband here says fearless. This isn't a Taylor Swift thing. This is my word for the year. I tell our congregation every year, pick a word for the year. What do you want God to build in you this year? One word and beg God to do it and start living it out. Mine this year is bold. Fearless, same thing. I don't want to live quiet. I don't want to live scared. I want to take risks for God. When he nudges me, let's go there. How does that happen? I got to know who I am and whose I am. And out of that identity event changes. Last Wednesday night, I was t teaching on this back at our church at home. And I, and I Googled online. I just Googled in Christ scriptures. In Christ. See, Paul calls it in Christ. When you're in Christ, when Christ is in you, you have a new identity. What are the scriptures that say who we are? And I'm not telling you. I found this website. It had 102 bullet points of our new identity. You want me to read them all? I'm not. Trust me. We'd be here till 4 o'clock. I'm not going to do that. But I'll read you a few. And I'll read them fast. Listen. Now, let me tell you something. When I get ready to read this. If you're in Christ, if you've surrendered to Christ at some point in your life and you're following Christ right now, these scriptures are your identity. You may not believe it, but you need to believe it today. This is who you are. This is truth. You've been hearing lies from the enemy in your head, says you're a loser, you're a mistake, God doesn't love you. That's from the enemy. It doesn't want you to believe any of this because the enemy knows if you understand your identity, who you are and whose you are, you will change the world. You'll change your marriage. You'll change your legacy. Nothing will be the same. But if you don't believe this, you're going to live in darkness. And let me say one last thing. If you're not in Christ yet, like you're attending here, but you've never surrendered to Christ, when you listen to these, let me tell you what you're hearing. This is what could be true of you today. It could start right today. This could be applied to you today. I'll read these real fast. My identity in Christ. I am faithful. I am God's child. I have been justified. I am Christ's friend. I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am assured all things work together for good. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am confident that God will perfect the work that he has begun in me. I am a citizen of heaven. I am hidden with 
Christ and God. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and self-discipline. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I am blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. I am chosen before the creation of the world. I am holy and blameless. I am adopted as a child. I am given God's glorious grace lavishly without restriction. I am in him. I have redemption. I am forgiven. I have purpose. I have hope. I am included. I am sealed with the Holy Spirit. I am a saint. I am salt and light of the world. I have been chosen by God and he desires to bear fruit through me. I am a personal witness of Jesus Christ. I am God's co-worker. Should I keep going? I mean, it's like, you got to be kidding me. Look, I'm, I'm scrolling through. I just read you like 20 out of more than 100. I'll read you the last one. I mean, this is so true. I am no longer condemned. I am not helpless. I am overcoming. I am persevering. I am protected. I am born again. I am a new creation. I am delivered. I am redeemed, redeemed from the curse of the law. I am qualified to share in his inheritance. I am victorious. I mean, that is, that is your identity. I mean, I, it's like, oh my gosh, that's what's true of me. Yep. That's what's true of you or what could be true of you in one decision to accept the ticket to heaven named Jesus. Oh my gosh, who wouldn't want that? Everybody walks around. You've noticed that they walk around just sort of timid. You a follower of Christ? Yeah. You love Jesus? Yeah. What's he done in your life? Great things. What? What? You don't know who you are or whose you are. The kingdom of God lives here. And every time you walk into a room in Christ, the kingdom of God walks in there with you to do kingdom of God stuff. That's your identity. And we don't understand that. That's what we're going to in heaven. It's just going to be better. You know, when I was preaching on this years ago, there was a song that just, I, I love worship. God has used worship music in the last five years and in my life, my son's life. It's just, it's done something radically in me. And there's a song by Bethel Worship that's called I'm No Longer Slave. I don't know if you heard it, but I love it because even at the bottom, we have a poster now in our green room because I preached on this years ago and I had 10 little bullets about identity. And the last one was the chorus of that song, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I'm a child of God. And they say it over and over in the song, I'm no longer a slave to fear. We, somebody, I didn't do it. They made a post and they put it there. So every time we walk out to go on stage, we're like, that's the truth. We're walking out as not a slave to fear, a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Anybody know it? I am a child of God. It's this great song. It's just like, this is not who I am anymore. I'm not, I'm not paralyzed by fear. I am. And sometimes you need to say it over and over to, to convince yourself, wait, wait, that's who I am. I'm a, I'm a child of God. And I just love it. I sing it. Ann and I, uh, uh, Bethel was in Detroit Monday night. And there were thousands of mainly 20-year-olds. We're the old people sitting on the balcony. The whole concert just, and I got, I got to play this for you. <laughs> I mean, I've been in a rock band my whole life. And uh, um, I love this song. I could show you the video. I videoed um, Jill as she sang this song because she just kept singing it. But it's just so beautiful. It goes like this. I'm no longer slave to fear. You're going to be able to sing it here in a minute. I am a child of God. That's it. It's that simple. I'm no longer slave to fear. I am a child. I am a child of God. Let's hear K2 sing. Here we go. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. There's a part in the song I just love. It goes like this. I am surrounded 
first service too. I can't even sing and you guys are clapping. <laughs> Why? Because it's not about the vocal quality of that. It's the truth. You split the sea so I can walk right through it. I am a child of God. And I tell you, you got you to gotta go watch Bethel Music No Longer Slaves. Watch the YouTube video and watch her belt this out. Oh my gosh. I, I, I weep every time. I play guitar and band and everything. I'm back there playing the bass there and saying, weeping. Weeping as I hear that part of the song, that's who we are. And here's the amazing thing. That only gets better in heaven. I mean, we lose that thought. Some of us are going to lose that thought an hour after we leave here today. We're walking out here right now. I'm a child of God. I'm not going to live as a slave to fear. I'm going to be fearless. God's going to do great things to me. And an hour from now, lies. Lies are coming in. You know, buddy. Look at the sin in your life. You think God can use you? That is the enemy of your soul. My son Cody, who's uh, on our staff at our church, he calls that, you got critters on board. <laughs> you got critters on board, man. You need to exercise those out. That is not who you are. That's who you were. That is not who you are anymore. And when you and I understand our identity, our transformation, that transformation is real, just as real as, as heaven is real, you live differently. And then here's my last thought that's hit me in this series. Is this time on earth is really short. Our time in heaven is forever, billions and billions of years. And yet, we get obsessed with this 70 or 80 years, and we forget about that. And let me tell you something. My temporary life and your temporary life impacts our eternity. How we live now impacts where we go. You'll hear more about that next week. Am I right? Yeah, and it's based on, again, one decision, one word. Jesus, that's the ticket. And so the way I live matters. And I understand every day, man, if I have my mindset on things above, my mindset on heaven, I live differently on earth. It isn't like I'm so heavenly minded, I don't care about earth. No, I care about earth and I especially care about those that God's put me in a relationship with on earth. Because here's the other thought. My temporary impacts others' eternity. 
Do you realize that? If you're in Christ, the way you live should motivate somebody that's in your family or your neighborhood or at your school to find Christ through the way you live because you understand it's not about this little 70 years. It's about eternity and the way I live can impact others. I said yesterday, Ann and I said to the married couples, there are a lot of singles at this thing as well uh, for the marriage treat, which is awesome. We said this, and I'll close with this. We said, Jesus said, you are the light of the world to his disciples. And by the way, he's saying that to any disciple of Christ today. You are the light of the world. And a city is set on a hill by God to shine its light and he says to us, shine your light in such a way that men will see your good works and glorify, not you, your Father in heaven. And I said yesterday, it's very important, the word, a city set on a hill, Jesus used, was the word in Greek, strategically placed. He's saying, man, they put a city on the edge of the hill so those in the valley in the darkness would see the light and be drawn to it. You know what he's saying to you and me? He's saying, you're placed strategically by God. Your life isn't random. You're not in Salt Lake. You're not in that apartment. You're not in that house. You're not at that school, just random. God has said, I need you. I need light right there. That person's in darkness. Here you go. Shine. That's sort of what he's doing. He's just strategically placed you. You might have thought, man, my life just ran. I'm just doing my life. No, 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 no. You're here because God put you there. I'm going to get on a plane today, and maybe God's going to put me beside a guy that doesn't know Christ, and he's going to say, Dave, here, here. Here's the light. Shine. Tell him. Tell him. And am I going to live like, oh, I don't want to offend him, and I don't, you know, I'm just, that's a slave to fear. If I'm fearless as a child of God, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got the ticket to heaven. Here you go, dude. You ever think about this? And God's going to use me to lead him to Christ. It's unbelievable privilege to be able to, like, you mean God takes me as the light and says, there, shine. And so often I think God takes him, we go like this, and he's like, what are you doing? I put you in that cubicle beside that person. Shine. Yeah, well, they believe things I don't even like, and they use bad language. Yeah, shine. That's why I put you there. Shine on them. Don't change their behavior. Don't worry about it. Show them Jesus. Hell, I'll change their behavior. Just shine. But we're so afraid. We're not fearless. We're fearful because we don't understand our identity. And heaven is all about, oh, my gosh, the full transformation is awaiting you. But I've transformed you now. So use that transformation to tell others who I am. Bring people with you to this unbelievable place I have prepared for you. You were made for that home, and so were they. Bring them. And that all comes out of identity. I'll close with this. I, uh, when Ann and I came out of uh, college, we got married and came on staff with a ministry called Crew now. It used to be called Campus Crusade for Christ. Uh, it's called Crew, and it's, uh, we were on a branch of that called Athletes in Action, which meant we were sent to the University of Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska, and I was the chaplain, and Ann was for the women's teams, for the sports teams there. So I was the chaplain of the uh, National Championship uh, Cornhusker. I used to work for a winning football team. Anyway, um, in Nebraska, and when you come on staff with Crew, they uh, put you on a team, and there's a team about nine staff there, and they assign you as a rookie staff to an older staff who will mentor you. So I got assigned to a guy named Barry. He'd been on staff about nine years, maybe 10 years, and he was going to sort of teach me the ropes as a rookie staff member. Well, Barry's a really interesting guy. He was a physics major. So he had this really incredible brain. Just thought so different than I did. And uh, I'll tell you what, what happened one time. Uh, he wanted me to teach him how to play guitar. So he heard me play. Can you teach me how to play? First time I ever gave him a guitar lesson. I go, here, Barry, here's a D chord. And he goes, why is it a D? I go, what? What? what do you mean, why is it a D? I said, because your first finger's there and you're thinking that's a D. He goes, no, 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 there's a reason it's D. What is that? I go, I don't know. <laughs> that's how his brain worked. Here's another thing Barry used to do. He used to memorize 
passages of scripture, and I don't mean five verses, I mean the Gospel of John, the entire thing. 21 chapters, all memorized. We'd have staff meetings, we'd say, hey Barry, give us John chapter six, do it. Powerful. So Barry's teaching me, how do you share Christ on a college campus with men? So we're going out one day, and he's like, dude, you don't have to do anything. Just pray and watch. Just learn. Okay, here we go. We're going to go up a dorm floor, and if there's a door open, we'll try and get in a conversation and turn it toward God. Okay, here we go. So this door's open. We start talking to this guy. He says, yeah, come on in. We sit down, and we turn it toward God. He goes, oh, wait, wait, wait. So you guys want to talk about Jesus? Is that why you're here, really? Yeah, actually, we are. He goes, hey, Joe. Guy was walking down the hall. Hey, Joe, come here, man. I got two Christian fanatics in here. Watch this. He did that for like 10 minutes. The next thing I know, 15 people were in this room, all these students and buddies of this guy who were just mocking us. And I'm watching this thinking, you know, we ought to just leave. They don't really want to hear this. And Barry passed out a, a little track. It used to be called the Four Spiritual Laws, and they all have one. And he starts to go through it, and they're all like snickering and making fun of it. And Barry goes, hey, you guys don't want to read this? No. He goes, good, throw it on the floor. And I'm like, what is going on? What are you teaching me? And then Barry takes his and throws it away. And they all got real quiet. And he goes, let me ask you a question. He goes, um, do you guys believe that Jesus Christ lived on, on planet Earth? And they all go, yeah. He goes, anybody here know what he said? Not really. Anybody know what he said about eternal life? Not really. And you know what Barry did? He started quoting memorized scripture from the Gospel of John, just one after another. Well, here's what he said. I'm not that good, so I have to read it. <laughs> but I'll read you some of the verses that he quoted. He said, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the place to where I'm going. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father but through me. The room was silent. And then Barry goes, any one of you guys? Any one of you guys want eternal life? Any one of you want to give your life right here, right now to Jesus? Anyone? And I'm sitting there going. And all of a sudden, this dude stands up. He stood up. We didn't ask him to stand up. He stood up. He goes, I'm in. I want that. I want Jesus. I'm in. And Barry goes, anybody else? And like five guys stood up. I'm sitting there going, I am witnessing a miracle of God. And Barry goes, you other guys, if you want to leave, you can leave. We're going to pray, and we're going to give our lives to Christ. And I remember sitting there as a young staff member saying, I will do this my whole life. This is eternal. I am going to let my temporary impact others' eternity fearlessly. And so I'm going to do something I did first service that I wasn't sure I was going to do until I got to that moment, and the Holy Spirit's saying the same thing right now. Do it now. This is scary. This is fearless. I got to do this. 
Somebody here, maybe many of you here, want Jesus right now. You want him. You know what's happening? The Spirit of God is calling you home. How do you get home? The ticket is Jesus. How do you get him? You surrender now. Not tomorrow, now. Right here, right now. And I'm going to be bold enough to say, you want Jesus? Stand up. I know, that takes guts. I know, you got to think, I don't care what anybody around me thinks. Stand up. This is your moment. If you want Jesus, stand up. Anywhere you are, stand up. Dude, give me five. I'd like to do that all around the auditorium. Yeah! Clap! Awesome! There is a party in heaven over one sinner who repents. There's a party for you right now. Awesome. Incredible. Let me pray. Father God, I pray for every man, woman, boy, or girl that just stood right now to say, I'm in. I am surrendering my life to be in Christ. I need a new name. I need a new identity. I need new power. And that power is in you. And God, man, the, the, the benefit of this is heaven after. But God, let them experience a little bit of heaven right here, right now, as they live their eternal life into the next eternal life. God, I thank you for what you're doing this weekend. I thank you for these men and women who stood, took courage. God, fill them with your Holy Spirit, transform them to be like Christ. In the power and the name and the blood and the resurrection of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Now, Dave will tell you this later when he comes up, but man, those of you that stood, you need a next step. You gotta connect, and Dave will tell you how to do that here, because that's so important. You need men, women in your life to help walk with you. But what we get to do now as the band leads us in some worship is we're gonna take communion, which is a beautiful move to experience heaven. Communion's like the prelude, like an appetizer of what heaven's gonna be like. We are taking a symbol, the bread and the juice, to say this is the body of Christ broken for us. The juice said we are absolutely, totally forgiven. Not sort of forgiven, forgiven. How do we get to heaven? Through Jesus. So the, the bread and the juice are just the presence of Jesus. And so as the band begins to play, just get up. There's stations around you. There's a, there's a table somewhere where you can take bread and juice. Go get it. Take it back and take the, the communion.